Honey, that's great podcasting. VegCast. We got Honey LeBronx and more on VegCast 107. VegCast. A full menu from first to last. VegCast. Yes, it's VegCast coming back at you with another full menu of vegetarian and vegan podcastery. And this time out is no exception. We are talking with Honey LaBronx, the vegan drag queen, who will be visiting Philadelphia, making an appearance here in May, uh, which I realize it may actually already be by the time some of you get this April podcast. But at any rate, we are talking with Honey about veganism, drag queenism, uh, the vegan movement, the queer movement, the animal movement, how various strands uh, intersect in society and in the life of Honey La Bronx. And we also will have a science fact about a uh, particular aspect of meat eating that is, uh, again, very dangerous to the planet and will require us to vastly curtail or, better yet, cut out our meat consumption just to address one of these elements that have been uh, largely kind of ignored compared with others up to now. We also have a Green Bean song uh, that I thought I had played, but I looked in the records and I hadn't, so we're going to hear that today. We got all this coming up, so sit back, relax, and crank up your MP3 player as we deliver to you this 107th edition of... So, yes, as I said, Honey La Bronx will be doing a special benefit show at Taboo Lounge on May 12th. It's a benefit for the Peace Advocacy Network. And uh, to find out a little bit more about why Honey is coming down to Philadelphia, let's go to that interview right now. Okay, right now on VegCast, we are happy to be joined by Honey La Bronx. Hi, hello. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm pretty good, and we're looking forward to seeing you uh, down here in May in Philadelphia at Taboo Lounge. So let's just start with that event, and uh, we'll perhaps give people uh, some idea of uh, who you are and what you do. Absolutely. Well, I'm really looking forward to to, um, to Honey the Bronx Live at Taboo. Um, It's something that Ed Coffin approached me about uh, to do a fundraiser for the Peace Advocacy Network, and, um, you know, I won't lie, when I first met Ed, um, I hadn't heard of the Peace Advocacy Network, but the more I looked into them, it's kind of like an activist dream come true. Mm-hmm. They, you know, work just as hard for animal rights as they do for gay rights. Um, you know, I was recently interviewed by Ed uh, on the connection between gay rights and animal rights, you know, why all gay people should be vegan, in my opinion. Um, so I really believe in the work they do, and I'm really excited to be able to come down and help them raise money and uh, and also just to entertain Philadelphia and show everyone a good time. So what what can people expect at a Honey Little Bronx show, exactly? Shenanigans, honey. They <laughs> can expect some shenanigans, and that is exactly what I'm going to give Philadelphia. We, you know, we're going to do you know a couple of songs, um, some stand-up comedy, uh, some interaction with the audience, and... Um, I have some guests, uh, Summer Clearance and Thunder Showers, two Philadelphia-based drag queens who will be joining me. So they're going to get a full-scale production. And so is everybody on stage in drag, or is it, what's the, I mean, is it going to be like a cabaret? What's happening? 
a drag show is just, I don't know what to say, it's just a show. I mean, uh, no, not everyone on the stage is going to be in drag. I mean, we're not doing, you know, a production of a Midsummer Night's Dream or anything. It's just going to be me <laughs> uh, with two with two special guests joining us. Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not going to be a full three-hour-long show. I mean, I'll be there for three hours, so I'll be hosting a little bit. I'll be every now and then getting up and doing a number, every now and then interacting with the audience. So, you know, but uh, it's, it's definitely going to be a really good time uh, that people should not miss. Okay. Well, the the reason, obviously, that we want to talk to you on VegCast is that you are um, a vegan and uh, you work to advocate for veganism uh, as well as for your other, let's say, your other interests. But uh, you've already talked about this, I'm sure, but can you just, uh, for our audience, uh, let us know what you see as the, you know, the overlap between these two. The overlap between, uh, what, gay rights and animal rights? Well, sure. I mean, if we want to start there. Oh, I, I guess to be more specific, um, in terms of a drag queen, you know, that, that's a uh, an element of gay rights that's kind of on, uh, it, you know, it, it's very out there. It's pushing it to a uh, an obvious visual extreme. And to me, that kind of resonates with some of the the talk that I hear about vegans, we should be, we should go along to get along, we should not uh, make waves, we should try to make veganism seem just completely, you know, friendly and normal, whereas other people say, no, we should always, uh, you know, be sure that the vegan message is getting out and do whatever it takes to get that out. Is there any kind of parallel there or not? Well, what I have to say to all those people is, don't go shooting on me. Okay. Okay. You know, one thing I, I've decided long ago, um, not to walk in anyone's shadow if I fail or I succeed. I'm kidding. I'm, <laughs> I didn't come on your show to sing. Right. Um, I could. I really easily could. I'm sure I can um, tell. You know, I decided long ago that it is not my place to tell another activist how to do what they do. You know, I'm also a member of Queer Rising, a, a gay rights, um, a grassroots gay rights organization, queer rights organization. And, um, you know, I always say that in every movement, you've got your, your Martin Luther Kings and your Malcolm X's. You know, you're going to have your two people that come at the same cause from totally opposite ends, you know, totally polarized. And it's not for, you know, imagine if, if Malcolm X had told Martin Luther King, oh, well, you need to, you know, step up your game and do this and get angry, and vice versa. You know, we would have had two people who would have, you know, met halfway in the middle and got nothing done. Right. So, you know, um, for people who say, oh, well, we need to blend in and we need to make, we make sure the message is received, sure, those people who want to get up and do that, that way, that's great. They're going to reach a whole bunch of people who respond to that approach. And to the rest of the people out there who tune out to that approach, it might be, you know, the, the loud, boisterous drag queen that grabs their attention. Here's the thing I've learned, Vance, about doing drag. Mm-hmm. People want to listen to a drag queen talk. People want to stop and stare at a drag queen. And whatever she's doing, whatever she's saying, you know, they just want to go along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, the first time I really did drag uh, in a public appearance, I had done drag a, a smattering of times. But about two years ago, May, the, the Veggie uh, Pride Parade was coming through New York City. And um, I was like, I'm marching in the Veggie Pride Parade. And something told me, go as Honey LeBronx. Um, now, to be honest, I was going as Honey LeBronx because I'm like, you know what? Photographers will be there, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to wear a little, a little name tag with my website on it so I can get my name out there. But when I showed up, camera crews were coming up to me. 
you know, radio podcasters, journalists were coming up to me, interviewing me, asking me questions. Everyone wanted to talk to me and know what I'm about and, you know, how I feel about veganism and how I feel about animal rights. And I realized then and there, drag gives me a platform to get the word out to people. You know, out of drag, yeah, I'm a cute guy. People aren't going to come up to some cute guy on the street and like, oh my God, you are a handsome guy. You look so Midwestern and corn-fed. You know, <laughs> tell us about veganism. It doesn't work. Right. When I am in drag, I am seven feet tall. I'm wearing some six-inch heels, and my wig is six inches higher than the top of my head. And people see a great, big, giant, shoulder-padded, seven-foot-tall drag queen stomping down the street. And the instant respect. You know, you command attention. And wonderful. As long as I have everyone looking at me and listening to me, I'm going to have something to say. Okay. Um, you know, that, you know and, and when people talk, you know, we get the same thing in the gay rights movement. You know, people always tell us, you know, I was arrested last year, March, with Queer Rising for blocking traffic. In the middle of 6th Avenue at 42nd Street, we, you know, eight of us held a banner across 6th Avenue that said, New York demands marriage equality now. And we refused to move until, you know, the police wagons came along and cuffed and arrested us. Mm -hmm. uh, there was so much um, slack from the gay community saying, like, oh, my God, if you're going to fight for my rights, how dare you do it in drag? How dare you go out in high heels in, in, in my name and blah, blah, blah. And if you're going to fight for gay rights, you owe us the respect to fight for gay rights in, in business casual attire. <laughs> I suit and tie optional, and I'm like, well, they were giving me wardrobe requirements, like, and I'm like, you know what, if you feel so strongly that that's the approach, then you should get up and do it. You know what, you should step away from your keyboard, get outside of your dark, dim apartment, and go out into the streets with the message that you feel is best. Right. Meanwhile, I am a drag queen, and as such, I have the right to my freedom of speech and to, you know, my freedom to assemble and my freedom to protest. And I'm going to go and do that in the way that I feel is fit. Now, you know what? Because three out of eight of us were in drag, you better believe we got some press coverage. You better believe when the press sifted through the headlines that morning, like, oh, we could go with this story, we could go with that story. Wait a minute, drag queens arrested? Yeah, we're going to punch up that story a little bit, bump that one up in, 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 you know, in the lineup. Right. So drag is a very effective vehicle. You know, I have a vegan drag queen cooking show on YouTube. If you go to vegandragqueen.com, I have a couple of episodes up. You know, I have a lot of people that tune into my to my um, cooking show, and not because they're vegan, because they're like, oh, my God, I love drag queens. I love RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, my God, blah, blah, blah. We should tune in. Right. But, in a way, they wouldn't necessarily tune into the uh, business casual attire vegan cooking show. <laughs> right. You know, so I mean, like, it's, I, I'm giving people, like, I like to say, as Colleen Patrick Boudreaux says, we're cutting two carrots with one knife. You know, mm -hmm. people that want to tune in and watch a drag queen, great. The people that want to learn about veganism, great. You know, I'm getting, it's, I have a lot of synergy that I create between audiences. You know, last night I performed here in New York City, and I had this huge stage going crazy for me. And you better believe, as long as I have a whole audience of people at a gay bar watching me, it was about maybe 200 people. And when I'm finished my performance and they're still cheering, I'm like, yeah, thank you so much. Woo! Go vegan! You know, I, they don't even know, know what the hell that means. Uh -huh. But it's the last thing they heard me say is go vegan. And if they see me perform again, they're going to hear me say it again, you know? Right. Well, so I, I was wondering, you, uh, you know, you get the message in there that way. Is, does it 
find its way any into your act in your songs? I mean, we know you obviously have the the Whitney Houston uh, basses covered there. Are there any other uh, things that you do you sing about? Things having to do with animal rights or veganism or vegan cooking or have you looked um, into I really you know how to that? yet I mean you know I'll, I'll be honest I mean for me to do a number about veganism to a non-vegan audience is not necessarily going to go over so well uh-huh. um, I mean and I, I don't know that that's not going to go over so well but I mean you, I, you know I definitely don't want to um, you know they they came to hear one thing I'm not going to bait and switch and like well you came to to be entertained instead I'm going to show you earthlings, you know, set to music. But, um, but, you know, I definitely do try to get the band. You know, I, I, I don't need to say too much. I don't feel I need to hit people over the head. People look at me in drag or out of drag. People look at me and they're like, wow, you're vegan? I mean, hey, I work out, you know, I eat protein bars, protein shakes, all vegan. Like, I'm looking pretty good. You know, in drag, people see this, you know, this buxom, gorgeous, you know, voluptuous redhead or blonde or whatever I feel like going as that day. <laughs> and they're always kind of shocked, like, you're a vegan? And I'm like, yeah, and I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, born to a famous dairy celebrity and the, and the owner of a German restaurant. You know, like, if I can go vegan, anyone can go vegan. No one was raised more meat and potatoes and milkshakes than me. But uh, I feel I don't need to say a whole heck of a lot. Plus, I find everyone is willing and ready to reach out to the vegan in the room. Like, you mentioned you're vegan, and you know how this is, fans. You, you know what I'm going to say. You mentioned you're vegan, and someone else was like, oh, I'm um, ovo-lacto-pesco-terian. Uh, uh, I went vegetarian once uh, in high school for a week. I mean, people are so ready to identify as close to vegan as they can. Right. So if I just tell them I'm here, I'm queer, I'm 100% vegan, get used to it. People have someone that they can identify with, reach out to. You know, and, and, and I always tell people, you know, you know where to find me, reach out for support. Right. Okay. Well, uh, we're about out of time, but we want to uh, be sure we have the details on that. That's Honey LeBronx, uh, A Night with Honey LeBronx at Taboo Lounge. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a fundraiser for Peace Advocacy Network. This will be May... Saturday, Sorry. May 12th from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. If you'd like all the information, you can just go to tinyurl.com forward slash honey, H-O-N-E-Y, Taboo, T-A-B-U, and that's a page with all the information. You can also go to my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Honey LeBronx right. and check out my YouTube video, Honey LeBronx uh, in Philly. Uh, we'll, we'll show you a commercial that I filmed where I'm talking about all the information. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I do have to lastly just put in a quick plug. If people like listening to me right now and they want to hear a whole heck of a lot more of me, stay tuned, America, for Big Fat Vegan Radio. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll watch for that. We'll be sure to have those links in our show notes so people can check out all of the aspects available of Honey LeBronx, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you here in Philadelphia. And thanks for joining us on Vegcast. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dan. Everybody wants to know what about plants before the saving animal. What about plants? What's the difference between them and that other food that we prey upon day?
What about plants? Why should we make the slightest change if it can't be completely pure? I mean, how can we be sure? I believe uh, that is plants or also known as plants don't run thought I had to play that because here it is uh, some 12 years on I'm still actually getting this question so-called question from people who constantly seem to think that they have just originated this and uh, I need to have like a ringtone or something so I can just start playing this song uh, for everybody. But now at least it is on VegCast. Hope you enjoyed that and I hope you will enjoy it as we now turn our attention to the science fact. Our science fact for VegCast 107. Want to save Earth? Cut out meat. Yes, it is still Earth Month. 
So we have a little science fact that has to do with saving the Earth. Uh, this is written up in Discovery News, and it goes something like this. Would you cut your meat consumption in half to help the climate? If you live in the developed world, that step may be necessary in order to stabilize atmospheric levels of one potent greenhouse gas, nitrous oxide, new research shows. Nitrous oxide is the biggest man-made contributor to stratospheric ozone destruction, the ozone hole, and the third most critical greenhouse gas after carbon dioxide and methane. About 80% of nitrous oxide emissions from human activity come from agriculture. Bacteria convert the nitrogen found in manure or excess fertilizer left in the soil into nitrous oxide gas. Every pound of meat we eat requires multiple pounds of grain to produce, and the grain in turn requires the use of nitrogen-containing fertilizers. So the amount of nitrous oxide released per calorie of meat and dairy is much higher than that from eating crops directly. Eric Davidson of Woods Hole Research Center looked at several possible trajectories for future nitrous oxide emissions, including stabilizing atmospheric nitrous oxide levels this century. He considered what changes to emissions would be necessary to achieve this target. I certainly did not set out to write a paper about dietary habits, he said of his new study published in Environmental Research Letters. His work showed that it would be necessary to reduce meat consumption in the developed world by 50% and to manage nitrogen twice as efficiently. The analysis is consistent with what related work has shown, noted Christine Costello of Cornell University, pointing to a 2006 United Nations report stating that livestock contributes more to climate change than transport. Costello noted that when you include methane, released in large quantities by ruminants like cattle, and carbon dioxide emissions from fertilizer production, the greenhouse gas emissions from agriculture and livestock are even larger. And then the article sums it up as follows, but could such reduction in meat consumption ever happen? Davidson points out that 30 years ago, no one would have believed it possible that smoking would be banned in bars, yet that has come to pass. According to Davidson's study, the average annual per capita consumption of meat in the developed world was 171 pounds in 2002, is projected to grow to 196 pounds by 2030. Meanwhile, in the developing world, it was 62 pounds in 2002, projected to grow to 81 pounds by 2030. We've been living in a very luxurious way. To go from 180 pounds of meat a year to 88 pounds, doesn't seem like it should be so much to ask, Costello said. And that pretty much says it all. I would just underscore what Costello said. This is just one greenhouse gas, nitrous oxide. If we're going to have any chance of even stabilizing this one, uh, we would have to cut the developed world's consumption in half. Uh, and manage nitrogen twice as efficiently. So it's not like we can just say, oh, we'll just do this more efficiently, which a lot of uh, meat-eating scientists like to say. 
Uh, but then when we factor in the other ones, there's also a lot of other problems that we also have to uh, consider. So this is just part of this whole problem. And, of course, those problems are also addressed by slashing meat consumption. So uh, to sum up, basically, if you want to save the earth, as the headline says, you need to cut out meat and dairy to whatever extent possible. And really, I would go further than Costello and say, you know, (laughs) cutting out all of it doesn't seem so much to ask. But uh, that's exactly what we ask of you when we read you the science fact. Okay, that's going to about do it for VegCast 107. I want to remind everybody to uh, keep up with me in my other venue, the V for Veg column in the Daily News, where this coming week we're going to be talking about a new fast food kind of restaurant that is taking Rittenhouse Square, the Rittenhouse Square area of Philadelphia, by storm and what is its uh, connection to the uh, celebrated veg restaurant uh, just over across Broad Street. We're going to be covering all that, so I'll leave you with that teaser. But this uh, place certainly is already looking like uh, a phenomenon in uh, vegan eating in Philadelphia. So I encourage everybody to check that out. And in the meantime, we are going to get out of here. Yes, that is it for VegCast 107. I want to say a big thanks to VegCast sponsor Tofurky, creating delicious, innovative, and affordable meat alternatives from non-GMO organic soybeans since 1980. And I want to also say a big thanks to Honey La Bronx for filling us in on the big show, May 12th, the Taboo Lounge. And, uh, of course, Green Beans, I can thank myself and Paul and Amy on that. And I also want to thank you, the VegCast listener, For downloading and subscribing, you can subscribe at iTunes. Be back at you in May. Until then, please get out there and live like you mean it.